Well, we are uh, this morning uh, looking at our last core value um, as we've been going through the um, core values of our church with the acrostic uh, for Christ. And uh, we've talked about compassion and honor and responsibility, inspiration and encouragement. Um, And then we talked about scripture last week, and this week we're going to look at truth. And um, the question is, what is truth? Pilate asked that question of Jesus. Well, truth is a quality or state of being true. It is in accordance with fact or reality. I can say that 2 plus 3 equals 4, and that might be my truth, but it's not true. <laughs> There's no basis in reality or objectivity with that. Um, so truth is objective. It is based in reality. It's always based in fact. It's not subjective. In other words, it doesn't move and change based on personal or cultural um, emotions and tastes and opinions. So just because truth doesn't change from one culture to another, it's truth. It doesn't change. And, and so we're living in a culture that wants us to believe that truth is subjective and whatever you think and feel, that's, that's truth. And over here, you might think and feel something else and that's truth. But no, truth is very objective. It, it's, uh, you know, when people talk about my truth, they talk about their truth, they, they admit right then and there that they do not accept the authority of absolute and objective truth. There was a stubborn disputer that seemed pretty unconvinced as Lincoln was having a debate with him. And he said, well, Lincoln said, well, let's see how many legs a cow has. Four, of course, uh, came the reply disgustedly. Lincoln said, that's right. Now suppose you call the cow's tail a leg. How many legs would the cow have? And the wise, uh, the guy said, well, five, of course was his confident reply, and Lincoln said, well, no, that's where you're wrong. Calling a cow's tail a leg doesn't make it a leg. <laughs> and, and, you know, that's kind of the world we live in today, where we just call whatever we want, whatever we want, and call it truth, but that doesn't make it true. That doesn't make it reality. Truth is not subjective. It doesn't change with the winds of time. Truth does not change with our circumstances. Church, um, ch- truth does not change with the cultures that we live in. Truth is steady and constant. Truth has already been established, and it cannot be changed. The very word university comes from a Latin word. Una means one. Verse, or veritas, is the Latin word for uh, truth. And so university is the place to get the one truth. Um, And and the purpose of universities, as they started out, was to discover the absolute truth of God across all kinds of various fields that people wanted to work in. It was to find the truth that belonged to God as it applied to those fields. Now, today, our universities have nothing to do with that, most of them. Uh, They're trying to create a truth that is subjective and situational, that is 
fomented up in somebody's mind and emotions and all of that. But that is not the purpose of a university. A university is to discover the truth, the absolute truth of God. Truth is also, by way of definition, um, it is fidelity or faithfulness to an original or to a standard. And we as Christians believe that that standard is God, that he is the original, that everything goes back to he created truth. So let's, let's uh, just stop here and, and have a word of prayer. Father, today we just come before you, and as we explore this idea of truth and this characteristic that we want to be lived out and fleshed out in our lives, I, I just pray, Lord, that you would guide us in that today, direct us, teach us, convict us, help us, Um, move us along in this area of being people of the truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So the last thing I said before prayer was truth is fidelity to an original standard. Now, just imagine that you are a carpenter and you had your own measuring tape And within that measuring tape, you had determined how long an inch was. And your whole measuring tape was based, and you thought an inch was this long. And so your measuring tape was that long. And then you went to the lumber yard, and they had their own measuring tape, and their inch was this long in their measuring tape. And then you had an employee that came along to help you, and they had a measuring tape and an inch was only this long. How would your building look when you got it built? It would not look very good because the, the way that a measuring tape is successful is that it copies an original. It doesn't change with my personal desire for an inch to be this long. It doesn't change when you go to a different culture. An inch is an inch is an inch. And we would run into all kinds of problems in building anything if every one of us had a a different measuring tape where an inch was a different measurement. The same thing is true in our culture, and that is the reason we are falling apart as a culture today is because we all have a different measuring tape that is very situational, and it just changes with every one of our emotions or what we're going through in our circumstances and all of that. It's not based on anything objective or absolute or permanent. Truth, if you base your life on what is truth, You will have something solid. Jesus used the illustration of the man who built his house on sand and it collapsed when the rains came. That's what our culture is doing today because there is no, there's no truth. We're all, you know, we're all just like grains of sand and we've all got our different measuring tapes out there to judge things instead of going to God. And so the first thing I want to say is is that there is no truth if everyone has their own truth. But there has to be a standard. There has to be an absolute. There has to be an original. And we as as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we believe that God is the standard, that he is the absolute, that he is the original. In contrast to that, 
Satan is the father of lies. He is the grand deceiver. The way he deceived Adam and Eve was by getting them immediately to doubt the truth of God. He went to them and said, Did God really say you must not eat of that tree? Immediately, he started planting ideas of doubt about the truth of God. Is God really going to be the standard that you base your life on, Adam and Eve? Why don't you base what you, how you want to live your life on, on how you feel and on what you want and on your desires? Base your life on that instead of the absolute truth of God. God wants us to recognize that he is the source of absolute, objective truth. Now, John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees here, and he says, you belong to your father, the devil, (laughs) and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of liars. And Jesus says clearly to us in John chapter 14, verse 1, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's no other truth. There is no other life. There is no other way. There is no other standard. There's no other original, no other absolute. Jesus, as part of the Holy Trinity, um, he is the singular truth. Jesus did not come to teach us about truth, primarily. He did not come to teach us some truth. He came as the truth. And you have to know him to even know the truth. John chapter 1, verse 14 The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Three verses later, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So when we say truth comes from God, we are saying that indeed truth comes, it's based in God the father as a standard, the objective, the absolute source of truth. Jesus is the way to that truth. He is the great example and the model of truth. And God, the Holy Spirit, leads us in the discovery of truth. It is through the Holy Spirit that you and I really began to understand that original standard by which we live. He is called the Spirit of truth. John 15, 26, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. John chapter 16, 13 through 15 says, When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and will declare to you the things that are to come. So truth is not something that you and I can arrive at on our own. We're just not that smart. We can't figure it out. The fact is that we have to be people who know God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, and we have to be sensitive and led by the Holy Spirit and have an ear to hear what the Spirit has to say to us if you and I are going to be people of truth. 
Now, I'm going to be short on this next um, point because our fifth core value of Scripture we emphasized last week. But in addition to knowing God, you and I have to make the Scriptures a primary source of authority in our lives if we are going to know the truth. The Scriptures are the one infallible, inspired, written Word of God to us. They are the truth. So the scriptures have to be received, they have to be accepted, they have to be adopted into our lives if we are going to know the truth. John 17, verse 17 says, Sanctify them by the truth, thy word is truth. Now the second main point that I want to make today is that truth is learned by obedience. The first point was that truth has this objective standard and that is God and the word of God. The second point is that uh, truth is learned by obedience. Ravi Zacharias says that there's a fundamental difference between the way that the Greeks of Jesus' day um, thought and the way the Jewish people had been trained to think. And that was that the Greek way of thinking was that truth came by reason. The more that you and I thought about something, the more we would end up with some truth. (laughs) And quite frankly, that's pretty much the way Americans think today. But it's not right. The Hebrews, the Jewish people, were trained to think that truth comes by obedience. That is really a foreign concept to most of us today. That truth comes by practicing the faith. In other words, you won't know what truth is until you test it out in obedience to God. Until you test out the word of God and and put God on the test in, in the way he asks you to live life. Until you do that, you really do not know what truth is. To understand truth, you have to participate in it. You have to put it into practice. John 8, 31 through 32. Jesus, to the Jews who had believed in him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. But it's not until they had put into practice something Jesus had taught them and became his disciples, that they knew the truth. There's a process there. We have to put into practice the things and the teachings of God in order to discover truth today. Notice that Jesus also ties obedience to the spirit of truth. He says in John chapter 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives in you and will be with you. There is far too much in in our world today, in the church world, that is only religious ideas, religious opinions, and religious knowledge. And there isn't near enough truth. We lack truth because we aren't willing to test it with obedience. 
We need to be people who put the Word of God and the model of the Lord Jesus Christ into our lives to test it out. Obedience is what puts the firm foundation of truth underneath our feet. When you stop and think about it, every great awakening, every great revival, and the Protestant Reformation itself was caused by an essential truth being rediscovered and put into practice. That was what Martin Luther was all about, bringing back some original truths from the Gospels and helping people put them into practice. Every great revival, anytime you look back in your life and you were making great spiritual progress, it's because you learned or rediscovered an old truth or learned a new one about God that really helped you grow by putting it into practice. Now, there's some things I want to just say in, in, in my third part of the message this morning in terms of applying truth. What does this mean for us in life? Well, first of all, in terms of how we worship, our worship has to be ro- rooted in truth. It is only logical that if God is the author and the standard of truth, that all of our worship has to be grounded and rooted in truth. It doesn't make any sense for us to be doing things that aren't true, aren't solidly theological or doctrinally sound in worship. If we're worshiping God, who is the very um, center of what truth is all about. If you look at the Old Testament, there were very, very few things that God hated so much as false prophets among God's people. (laughs) He didn't like that at all. And God wants our worship to be very centered in the Word of God and to be very centered in truth. That's very important. John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, when Jesus is talking to the Samaritan woman, he says, Yet a time is coming and has now come when when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. So that means several things for us. Worship has to be grounded in God's Word. It has to be led by God's Spirit. It has to be centered in God's Son. And it has to, the focus of worship has to be on glorifying God the Father. One of the other applications, practical applications for us, that is going to sound very old-fashioned, um, because it is old-fashioned, um, But some things should not go out of fashion. (laughs) There are just some things that ought to to remain. Honesty is one of those things. Thomas Jefferson wrote, Honesty is the very first chapter in the book of wisdom. Now the greatest advantage of speaking the truth is that you don't have to remember what you said to who and when you said it, <laughs> and all of that. You know, there, there, a lot of people just tie themselves up in knots because they just can't, 
consistently tell the truth. And if you just always tell the truth, you really don't have a lot to worry about. Um, you just tell the truth. Craig Rochelle says, be truthful. You're only as strong as you are honest. And then he says, one of the biggest gifts you can offer your boss or leader is honesty. The higher somebody rises in leadership, the harder it is for them to find people who will just simply tell them the truth. And he said that that is something that's just really important for us and in our culture. But outside of that, the biggest thing that I want to mention in regard to this is the only way for us to be really like Jesus is to always tell the truth. The moment we don't do that, we become like Satan when he tells lies. And we want to model our lives after the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I have to just say that I, I, I watch our culture in the last 20 years. It's just like we just lie for the sake of lying. I mean, sometimes it does us no good and we lie. And, I, you know, I look at it and think, well, okay, you lied, but what good did come in? came out of that. And and we just need to be people who can speak the truth. Now, we run into problems. Part of the reason we run into problems with the truth, and I want us to think about this for a little bit this morning, is that truth is a core value or should be a core value in our life. But we have other core values in our lives and sometimes those core values clash. In other words, there's a reason I will tell a lie over here because I've got another core value that is more important to me than telling the truth. And, you know, there's... And, and so you and I as Christians, we're, we, we have to deal with that. We, we will have different values in our life. And a lot of times those values will clash and when push comes to shove, we'll find out which values are really the most important to us. So, uh, for instance, we tell a white lie, etc. People ask how we're doing, and we tell them, well, I'm just fine, um, even when I'm not so fine. We justify it because we think, well, they're just making polite conversation and may not really want to know how I am anyway. Or they... Um, we don't want to bother them with our problems or we don't want to take time to explain ourselves. Um, and for some of us, especially men, uh, women, listen to this, a lot of times we're vague because we just simply don't have words to express what you would just naturally express. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things that factor in there in all of that. Sometimes, however... We don't tell the truth because to do so would run over another value that we hold very dear. For example, telling the truth can come across as very condemning and critical and judgmental. It can come across with those kind of tones. And so if I'm a person and I've got this compassion value over here and I've got a value over here of truth, and 
I run into one of those situations where if I tell the truth, I know this person is one of those people that just can't handle being told the truth and they're just going to call me judgmental if I say anything to them at all and I just don't want to deal with that. And so pretty soon I figure out I'm going to just lie and now I know that compassion reigns higher than (laughs) truth in my life. And so you're always, every one of us, every day, are, are balancing these values that we have. And you have to figure out how to balance those. Because not just in those two things, but in all kinds of situations in our life, you're always balancing values. I remember as a young person, I, I don't remember how young, but probably middle school age, um, going to see the movie The Hiding Place. And it was probably one of the first movies our church showed. Um, and it tells the story of Corey Ten Boom hiding Jews from the Nazis in Holland, being found out, and going to one of Hitler's concentration camps. And then, you know, after losing her sister Betsy, and she finally gets um, released by, by, you know, a miracle of God that wasn't supposed to happen, but God orchestrated it and all of that, and she gets out. But anyway, after that movie, (laughs) I heard someone comment that the Ten Booms were not good Christian role models because they disobeyed the government by keeping Jews and they lied about it. That was their main takeaway from that movie. (laughs) So so as a young person, I'm sitting there, huh? (laughs) So, But that is a great illustration of every choice you make as a Christian will have one core value clashing with another core value. The wise Christian will recognize that and they will stop when they are making a decision and evaluate their values and see, okay, which one is more important to God in this situation? How would Jesus handle this? Um, they will consider if the value they are honoring the most in their life is the value that Christ would honor the most. In my opinion, in the case of the Ten Boom family, honoring God was of far greater value than honoring the government um, when you had to choose between those two in that day and in that particular circumstance. Saving the life of a Jew was a far greater value than telling the truth to the government when you had to choose between the two. And so when we deal with this subject, you always have to go back to the source of truth, the absolute source of truth, when you're balancing these values out in your life. In Jeremiah chapter 38, we find the story of the faithful prophet Jeremiah getting thrown into a cistern of mud and left there to die because he had spoken the truth about the Babylonian captivity that was coming. The king had rescued him from uh, the cistern because some people went to the king and told him what they had done. And, and then uh, Jeremiah talked to the king, and the king wanted to know what was coming, what the Babylonians were going to do, and what he should do, and all of that. Well, when Jeremiah went to leave, um, the king told him, to tell the people who would ask him what he had been talking to the king about, that to tell them that he just didn't want to go back to the dungeon in the house of Jonathan 
uh, where he had been before he was thrown in a cistern because that had been a horrible place. Well, that was true. Jeremiah didn't want to go back there. (laughs) But that wasn't the whole truth. That wasn't exactly what Jeremiah had been having a conversation with the king about. Here's another case of the value of truth clashing with the value of human life. Jeremiah honored the king, told a half-truth, and saved his own life. Having said that, not telling the truth should be an extreme rarity among God's people. It should only be done when it is the only thing we can do to please God, our Heavenly Father. Secondly, most of the time, truth can be communicated with love and compassion if we will stop and process that and take time. A lot of times when truth comes off as judgmental and critical and condoning, it's because we just rushed right into a situation that we were a little hot under the collar. And if we will just slow down, take time, pray for compassion, pray for love, a lot of times we can speak the truth in love and do it pretty effectively. But a lot of times we get ahead of God in that, in that matter. Many times, not to share the truth is the least compassionate thing we can do. We, we think we're helping people by not telling them the truth. But a lot of times, in, in terms of the effect on their lives long term, when we don't share the truth with people, we're not really helping them. We're really not loving them. But here's another catch. If you don't really love someone, you're probably not the person to share truth with them. (laughs) Truth cannot be separated from good relationships. And the best thing we can do, if we want to be truth sharers, we have to have good relationships with people. And they have to know that we love them. And a lot of times, if we get way too far out and ahead, you know, uh, some people have kind of the gift of uh, being a prophet and a hard nose, and they can get in people's faces, but they don't build the relationships first. And other people, on the other hand, man, they're all lovey and dovey and, and all of that, but they never get around to speaking truth. Paul says to us, speak the truth in love. It's bringing the two of them together. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Once again, it points us back to God as uh, as the objective, absolute source of truth. A lot of times, it's not what we say that is so offensive. It is the way that we say it. So speak the truth with love and respect for the person. And then be the kind of people to whom people can speak truth. (laughs) We've all been there when somebody wanted to share truth with us, and we were not ready to receive it. Um, I've been there many times as a pastor. And then, you know, 
but it, it makes such a difference. The only times you really grow in life are when you can receive corrective truth from other people. That's what spurs and growth. And if you, if you value growth in your life, you need to be a person who can receive truth without getting offended. That's just critically important. The last point I want to make this morning um, is truth plus time equals trust. You will never build trust any other way in your life. You must tell the truth consistently over time for people to trust you. It takes a long time to gain trust. But only one little lapse of truth (laughs) and you go backwards a long ways. Tell a lie once and all of your other truths become questionable in the minds of people. So this morning, as we think about this subject of truth, it's kind of an abstract thing that's hard for us to grab a hold of. But the main thing is that you and I find the absolute source of truth in God and in the Scriptures, that you and I are willing to put it into practice and to learn, uh, learn truth by putting it into practice, by applying it in obedience, and that you and I practice truth and, and evaluate when we're not telling the truth why we're not. Think about it and, and look at the different values that we're letting creep up higher than other values in our life and see, is that what Christ would really want? Is that what God would really want me to most honor in my life? 